Today on the Confident Man podcast, we have a special guest. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author who's written numerous books from history to modern biographies. But his heart has become the need of men all over the world today. He believes a man can be more than just a male. He believes that they can become a great man. His latest book, Men on Fire, gives men an easy-to-follow strategy on how to become a better man. It's full of practical tips and lots of examples of how men are living it out today. On today's show, we focus on the state of men today. We talk about what they deal with as men and why they are the way they are. We discuss the need for men to have a band of brothers and what that looks like for them. We also touch on how to help the next generation of men. I'm excited about this interview and I know you'll love it. So let's get started. Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast, empowering men with the confidence they need to live their adventure. Now, here is your host, David Maxwell. All right, Stephen, uh, thank you for joining us on the Confident Man Podcast. And uh, before we jump into the main focus, I just wanted to ask you, uh, where did your passion for men come from? What kind of birthed you starting into this realm of writing about men? It's a great question. I grew up as a military brat, uh, so I had a lot of that kind of manhood presented to me. Uh, my father was an exemplary man in that regard, and um, I also grew up in, in sports world, three sports a year, uh, all the way through college. So uh, then I, after that, I began to get the interest in history, of course, which has defined a lot of my life. And so in studying Churchill and studying Lincoln, you know, what were the relationships with their fathers? What kind of men were they? And, mm. you know, what were their weaknesses? And, you know, Churchill, a great man, but he suffered horrible depressions and almost killed himself once. Lincoln, the same thing. So all of those questions began to kind of merge uh, historically with my interest in men. And then, of course, there were my own challenges, too. I mean, I don't have any one theme, you know, some big mm -hmm. dramatic thing, but just the things we all deal with. I had a father who was uh, sort of the great Santini, if you've ever seen that movie, a high-ranking yeah, military yeah. man. I knew he loved me, and he was not a, you know, horribly abusive or a drunk like the great Santini was. Um, but he definitely uh, resistant and didn't, you know, didn't teach me how to shave and didn't tell me about mm -hmm. girls and didn't tell me what it was what it meant to be a man. So I got most of that later in life. So I think it was, uh, frankly, my own desire to know what a man is. Um, shoved through military culture, jock culture, and then my own historical investigation. In fact, I'm willing to consider that my whole field of history, I'm talking about two master's degrees and a doctorate, um, may be fueled by my own heart's desire to find out what true manhood is. So yeah, that's why I've done some of the things that I've done. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of it comes from our own uh, just desire to learn ourselves. And I think in our culture, we have so many guys who grew up with no example. And so yeah. I talk to guys all the time when I'm coaching them, they're, they're being a dad, they're being a husband. And their question is, am I doing this right? And they've yeah. got no frame of reference. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know how old you are. You don't have to tell me on the air, but, I, but you're my, my father was of a generation where he was a good provider. He was a heroic military man, but Telling me he loved me in the course of a day was just to take the newspaper and smack me in the stomach lightly. You know, yeah. that was how he said, I love you. And, and I and I took it that way. I mean, I knew he loved me. Generous at Christmas, always present. I never feared him walking in my room from either a sexual or a violent standpoint, like a mm -hmm. lot of men have those horrible stories. Um, but but still, 
you learned by watching. You didn't learn by having conversations. You didn't yeah, <laughs> you didn't yeah. pick up you didn't pick up anything by any kind of interaction. You know, God forbid. And if then if you did have any interaction, it had to be between commercials of a football game. So uh, all, I, I'm not putting him down. I'm simply saying um, his generation of men were the guys who just had a hard time saying "I love you," and yeah. uh, that's that's what I was raised by. So I was raised by a heroic man who profoundly Im- impacted my life. But I was also raised by a man who, you know, had a hard time telling his kids anything, not just I love you, but just teaching them anything. And I think both my brother and I have, have had our, our struggles, you know, just as men. And in the meantime, that we haven't ended up in prison or done something terrible, but yeah. uh, we've, we've had our struggles. And so just kind uh, of that's, the, that. that's, that's why I do what I do to make it easier for other men who may be who are still in an unfathered generation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. That's, that's my motivation, uh, helping young guys. I, I worked with students for 30 years and saw the, the need of dads in the homes and the lack of dads and how much that yeah. meant to them. Um, well, let's, let the good me, news, let me... the, if, I, if I can jump in the good news yeah. on that though, is that when you have an unfathered young man, the psychologists tell us that other men who step into that young man's life can make as much as 85% difference. They can't, yeah. they can't replace a father who's not in the home, but they can make up 85% of the presence uh, and the the impact of the fathers at home. Well, that's good news. That's good news. And uh, so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So we'll all start fathering each other in essence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. You try and help guys who didn't have that example and it helps them learn how to do that to the next generation. And we can change legacies of family that way. Yeah. Um, That's the exciting part of it. Well, there's, uh, we're going to talk about Band of Brothers, forming a Band of Brothers, why that's so important. But I wanted to start with a quote from uh, your latest book, Men on Fire. And it kind of leads into that. It says, the man who is self-defined, who lives only in the light of his own understanding of himself, is a fool. Why, why is a self-defined man a fool, a man who defines himself? Well, one of the arts of manhood our fathers should have taught us is that we need the eyes of other men upon us. Now we viscerally know this because we don't get good at football without coaches. We don't, they don't just throw nine guys on a baseball diamond and say, play, you know, uh, you got to have coaches. You got to have guys who see what you're good at. Hey, he's better at second base. Hey, he's better as the fourth batter, you know, that kind of thing. So we, we viscerally know that we don't get better at things without help, conductors, music teachers, all that kind of thing. But with manhood, uh, we leave it to chance. And so our mm-hmm. father should have said your whole life, you need to have the eyes of other men on you, not just like coaches to a 12-year-old, but other men who care about you and are trying to help you become good men. This is part of the art of friendship. This is the art of having a band of brothers. So when a man defines himself, when he looks at himself in the mirror and says, I think I'll do this. I think I'm this. I think I'm capable of that. He's being defined by a fool. You know, they, they, they tell us we don't even actually see ourselves accurately in a mirror that we're looking at a distorted image of ourselves in a mirror. Well, if that's true in a mirror, for heaven's sakes, then how much is more is it true of other aspects of my life? I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that I'm how, I mean, thank God I've got a wife who's fairly blunt with me. And she says, you know, you were, you were roughly distant in that conversation or, you know, what are you doing with 
green beans hanging out of your mouth or whatever the thing yeah, is, you know, yeah. or that, that shirt just makes you look fat, you know, don't wear that. And I, I love it. I love having input. But what I don't like is murky, unclear, withdrawn. Yeah. Don't tell me the truth, but then distance yourself from me because I've got a booger on my nose or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's what we've got to have as men. And I've, I came to a point in my life where I had achieved pretty well, but I certainly was not the man I was made to be or meant to be for anybody because I didn't have other men speaking directly to me and keeping an eye on me and saying, no, hold up, what's going on with that? Or, you know, what's, you know, all the illustrations that I've used before, you know, one glass of wine yeah. turns into five. I want guys to know that, yeah. um, you know, I don't have a problem with language or not, but if, you, if you're dropping the F-bomb every other sentence and I can tell a lot of anchors behind it, I want to know that. You're like checking out the backside of the waitress. You need to have somebody who sees you. And the problem yeah. we have in a lot of our Christian circles, if I may say so, is that we tend to have men who have to rely on our own narration. I have to show up on your back porch, tell you what my week has been so that you can coach me. Well, that doesn't work because I'll, yeah. I'll lie yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll forget or I won't get the analysis right or whatever. Yeah. So a man, a man who defines himself is defined by a fool uh, in the same way that a man who's his own doctor has got a doctor as a fool. Uh, we need the eyes of other men on us. We need the eyes of men of different gifts from ours. I have a certain set of yeah. gifts, pretty good. Yours are better in some other areas. We help each other by bringing our different gifts to the game. And so that's why I wrote that. Yeah, no, I think that's so true because you know people, I know people who are uh, what I call, they're kind of a unprofessional doctors where they yes. they read a couple articles on the internet and they're professionals and they know what the doctor should have subscribed them and everything. And it's like, well, doctors usually kind of know some stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But I, I think we get that way as men where we, oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I read this one article. I'm fixed now. And, right. And we just right. kind of move and, on. And, you know, and the other thing, too, is that there's, we got to make a distinction between um, I can pull a splinter. Mm -hmm. I can put a Band-Aid on a child's knee. You know, I've got I've got children in my life I do that for. But someone who's been molested during their entire teen years, yeah. somebody who's got a drinking problem. I, I don't know that I'm equal to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody who's suffering horrible biochemical depression. I'm not talking about bad circumstances in their life. I'm talking about biochemical. Let's get them to an expert. But yeah. but at least guys like you and I and the guy in the, in the life of a third man will see that that expert's needed. Yeah. And the problem in, in man culture is a lot of guys sitting around trying to doctor each other. And I'm not saying you need to whisk them off to the hospital, but a dude certainly can't sit there on his fifth beer and figure out what's going wrong in his marriage. He's going to yeah. have to have somebody, you know, smack him upside of the head and put him with five or six guys who speak wisdom out of their own lives and then getting connected to, you know, whoever, pastors, counselors, yeah. whatever else needs to go on there. Yeah, encouragement. Well, what would you say, how would you define what a band of brothers is for men? A band of brothers is a group of men you do life with, but you do it openly so that anything that needs to be addressed in each other's lives to make you better men can be addressed. Yeah. So your pursuit, your, the, the most important thing is that you're pursuing noble manhood, great manhood together. But the other thing is that what I call in the book, the free fire zone, which means that if you and I are a band of brothers together, anything that needs to be said, anything that needs to be addressed in your life or mine to make us better men will be. Yeah. Uh, along the way, we're having a lot of fun, sacrificing a lot of animals, a lot of smack talk. I mean, we're doing life together. We're men. We're not just sitting in a room staring at each other and saying, how was your day today, George? Yeah. How are you feeling about that? But we are uh, in each other's lives and, and dealing with it directly. So my brief definition is a bunch of men doing life together, pursuing noble manhood. Um, but the most important thing is they've gone beyond the niceties to where yeah. anything that needs to be addressed or coached can be.
And that has changed my life. You know, there are guys that are amazing fathers of, of daughters in my life. And I have a good relationship with my daughter, but I'm better now. I'm better now. Yeah. Um, I have a good relationship with my son, but I'm better now. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, whatever my wife would say about me being a husband, I'm better now than I was before, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's because men have come up to me and said, what's up with you? Or, you know, you just look bored. What, what's going on with you? Or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, it makes you a better man. So that's what a band of brothers is. Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard in our society today for, for guys to have that band of brothers, to be intentional with that? It's partially because we haven't been taught the skills of friendship passed down through the generations. Mm, there are there cool. are actual practical skills of male friendship that can be taught, that can be transferred. And most, I'm, I don't mean to blame our fathers in this whole podcast. That is not my point. Um, but But the fact is they didn't teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second of all, it is the nature of modern life. Um, it is the fact that I had no problem having friends in high school and college, but you get out of college, you get married, you get a couple of kids, you got a house to take care of. Yeah. Um, you know, let's say you're not in a church, you don't play a sport, you're just working out down in the basement. Well, before long, you've only got what the psychologists call rust friends, which means that guy who was in your marriage five, your wedding five years ago, or, mm-hmm. you know, the guy you were in your roommate in college. But you haven't seen those dudes in five years, and there's no dude close enough to look at you and go, "What's up with you, buddy?" You know, mm-hmm. you've got to have, you've got to be active with men now. And so there are ways you can put yourself into those relationships, have a sport, be active in a church or a place of faith. You know, that kind of all those kind of practical things. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, even just fishing clubs or whatever, hunting clubs or all that kind of stuff. But most men, by the time they get to their late 30s and 40s, uh, they are alone. And, you know, the male suicide rate is skyrocketing in the Western world. And when we look at the suicide notes, we do the psychological postmortem. In almost every case, that's a result of a man being alone. I mean, he writes a note and says, there's not a man on the planet who knows anything about my life. Now, he may have his mother. He may have a sister. He may have women. He may be dating girls. What he needs is a man. Men need men. They need women, of course. But, yeah. but to feel whole, they need men. And... Um, so that's that's what's causing, I think, the problem. It's a combination of lack of skills and the dynamics of our society, which means we just have to be intentional. It's not the good news is it's not hard, for heaven's yeah. sakes. I mean, I teach men the art of the indirect connection, which just means create some way for men to bond without having to do it too correctly. Because we don't we don't bond by looking at each other's eyes longingly and going, How you feeling, Fred? We bond yeah. by playing hoops and or having a beer or watching having a pizza around the game or whatever the thing is that guys do, you know, going for the jog or we bond indirectly. Well, anybody can do that. The most shy retreated guy can do that. Um, so once we teach these skills, then we then we start seeing that change. So bad news is men are lonely. Good news is it's fixable. Yeah. And I, I like what you talk about creating a culture where that happens. And, and you have a story in the book about a guy who saw the need for friends, which I think is key. I think a lot of men just don't even realize, oh gosh, I am lonely. You know, I know Jim down at the, you know, school or whatever, but they don't really have any deep friendships. They have a lot of surfacey friendships. Right. Um, right. But nothing deep. Well, I, and, and that's why I insist on asking men about their friends. Uh, it's partially because mm-hmm. I work with men a lot, but it's also because I really, I mean, I can help a guy on an airplane in a five minute conversation. Tell me what, tell me something. Uh, who's your best friend? Oh, mm-hmm. definitely my first man at my, my wedding, Joe, old, old Joe. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, six, seven years ago. But we talk on the phone once a year. So who really has eyes on you? Who would know if you yeah. were thinking? Who would your wife call at three in the morning if you were out of town? 
and they needed help. Like like somebody you really trust to be at your house at three in the morning while your wife's flitting around in her nighty and the yeah. dogs run away or the kid got picked yeah. up in the whatever. And um, I asked those questions. And before long, you realize the average dude does not have good friends. I don't speak so much in terms of best friends because yeah. I stopped speaking that way when I left the playground. But in terms of band of brothers, in terms of guys yeah. you can hang with, my wife, Bev, I'm not saying I have this all together, by the way, but she knows exactly who to call if something goes wrong. If I yeah. misbehave, if I'm out of town, she needs something. She's got, I'm telling you, 20 guys who will show up, you know, park their jets in the front yard, whatever they got to do. Yeah. And I'm playing, but some of them, some of them got yeah. resources, some of them don't, but they'll be there. And they've been there for, her. and that's a product of me having a band of brothers, a, a group of guys that love me that their, their wives can do the same, you know, and mm -hmm. we'll take care of it. And so that's, that's the kind of, of a culture that we need to have around us, but most men don't know how to build. Yeah, I love how you tell the story of the guy who uh, saw the need for that and started rib night and and started made a rib contest just for guys to get together and kind of built that indirect connection to see and let friendships develop from that. A absolutely. I mean, the ind indirect connection is the way men bond the best. You know how it is. We're working at the widow's house, you know, on, on a Saturday. And we yeah. know the guy who's talking talk smack and telling stories, but he's not doing any work. We know the guy who's going to get a drink of water every three seconds. We know the guy who's the quiet guy we really respect and who's doing most of the work. We, we read men in motion. And so that's that's how I feel. When I was playing football back in high school, the guy I feared the most was the quiet guy who was well-mannered. You know, hey, have a good game, man. Look forward to seeing you afterwards. He scared me because he was calm. <laughs> he was quiet. Yeah. He was collected. And I knew how to read a man. And that was the guy I was going to be concerned about during the game. My point is that we, we don't, you know, a lot of organizations try to put us just facing each other. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. So, but the good news is, like you say, my friend who just did the rib night, he started, he started talking smack with a bunch of guys. You think you can barbecue? I got you beat nine ways from Sunday. So they started having a contest before law. One of the best band of brothers I've ever seen came up. Uh, I've seen the same thing with fishing contests, hunting contests, bench pressing contests. I mean, just, and it doesn't have to be a contest, but still the idea that men bond while they're doing something else. Well, how yeah. hard is that? Any, yeah. any shy kid can, can order up some pizza and say, we're going to watch, you know, America's got talent or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and now you got guys doing something. I've been in Nashville where I'm from, they do drum circles and guitar mm -hmm. picking parties and Lord knows every could probably weed parties for all I know, given that it's Nashville, but all, all I'm trying to say is they get together and that's yeah. how they start to figure each other out, you know? Yeah. And that's what I love. I love that it's, it's around doing something and especially competition. Men will compete in anything. Uh, I tell yeah. people that you could be wadding up a piece of paper and you and your friend are going to compete who can throw it from the farthest away and make it in the trash can. It means nothing, but to a man, it's important. Well, and I know, I know guys in their eighties and nineties who have a competition for mall walking. The local <laughs> mall opens, I think it's seven or eight in the morning. What, uh, you know, I, it's not my locality, but I think like seven, eight in the morning for the seniors only, the security yeah. lets seniors in to walk the mall in a safe thing. And it's a great big mall. So I think one laps like a mile when they walk every floor, and you know, all the, well, so what do they do? Being men, we got to compete, right? So I awesome. bet I can kick your butt. I bet I can, I can <laughs> bet I can best you by five minutes. I bet I can, you know, whatever. And before long, that's, that's how it's going. Well, I love it. These guys are healthier, happier. Yeah. You know, they meet afterwards to have breakfast at whatever the joint is there. 
and they're doing this every other day and they're having a ball. They're going to live longer. They're going to be happier. They're going to be better mm-hmm. men. They're going to be better husbands, fathers, grandfathers, great grandfathers. And they're going to be in this case, in this particular place, closer to God because they're yeah, doing Bible yeah. studies and they're, they're reading good Christian books and stuff like that. Well, that's, that's the art of the whole thing. So we got to, yeah. t- we got to teach these skills because, you know, you and I have been talking wood here for about 15, 20 minutes and we've already surveyed the basic skills for a man breaking out of his isolation and engaging yeah. other men. And so if it can be taught in 20 minutes with two guys batting it back and forth, we can certainly pass it on to the next generation. One of the elements you bring up in, in the book talking about a band of brothers is calling in the reinforcements. What does that, what does that look like? Why does a man, because to me that gives a real reason of why you need that band of brothers as much as anything else. Well, it's military language, as you can imagine. And, and that is that if I'm in a battle, I can't handle on my own. Uh, I call in reinforcements, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I've done that in my life without question. And men need to know how to do it. Men, you know, in the same way that we make the joke that men driving around with their wives don't want to stop and ask directions. Um, men don't want to ask for help, but I yeah. need help. I need men who are more discerning. Um, I, I have, my son and I love each other, but we're very different. Some guys, you know, their sons are like carbon copies of them and they understand their sons just viscerally. Yeah. My son's very different from me, but I've got friends who relate to my son very well. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll kind of, Hey, how'd you do that? <laughs> you got him talking. How'd you do that? You know, uh, but that's, that's how it goes. And then, yeah. you know, some guys in my, in my group have overcome addictions. I don't have any of those, but other guys might. And so they're yeah. like, man, I'm, I'm. I'm thinking of one guy who said, I'm, I'm feeling that one whiskey a night creep into three or four. I, I, I don't know that I'm an alcoholic, but I, I better get somebody to talk to me about that. And so we, they're, they're meeting on a regular basis and the guy's getting it right. I don't mean to mention alcohol so much. It's just an easy example for yeah, them. Yeah, no, it um, is. You know, it could be the same thing with your weight. could be the same thing with porn. could be the same thing with violence and anger. It could mm-hmm. be all kinds, but find a guy who knows what's going on. You know, most, most guys, try to battle these things alone and they just aren't capable. Like we said earlier about the doctors. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't. And by the way, even, even if you are, you know, I've known doctors, actual MDs who have addiction problems just because mm-hmm. they're MDs doesn't mean they can, they, they discern the problems when they're being up in their soul. So yeah. you, you gotta have, you gotta have a bunch of guys. And by the way, you don't need to have just one guy. You need to have a bunch of guys with diverse mm-hmm. gifts, right? I'm, I'm a multifaceted dude. So are you. I'd like to have three or four guys with different sets of gifts, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different ways of expressing it. Um, I'm, I'm, as we do this podcast, I'm out in D.C. My church is 90 percent black. Most of my friends are black out here. You know, they thank God. I want I want the eyes of black men on me. I want the eyes of military men on me. I want the eyes of Asian men on me. You follow what I'm saying? They all yeah, bring a different yeah. set of a, gifts That's and a assumptions point. and ways of dealing mm-hmm. with things. And man, may, may it be more diverse. And I'm not just I'm not just doing this because we're all talking about diversity these days in our country. I'm talking about, I need men from, if I have men who are carbon copies of me, then I'm going to be able to deceive them. I'm not going to be as detectable to them, right? Because they're my tribe. They speak like me. They look like me. They dress like me. They eat and drink like me. Um, I want some guy who's going, what are you talking about? You're an idiot, you know? (laughs) And where did you get that idea? Where'd that come from? I have a black video say, where'd that come from in your white man cave back there when you're hiding all the time? What are you talking about? You know, he's like a black coach, you know? And I love that. I need need to be smacked around a little bit, you know, reminded that, hey, you came from a very white culture. 
uh, upper middle class, well, maybe you need to realize that you're making some assumptions about yourself that aren't true. And he's not putting me down. He's yeah. trying to say, you know, there's stuff you guys do that, you know, the rest of us out here in the, in the in another kind of world, we can see more clearly that you can. I love it. I mm-hmm. love it and need it. Yeah. No, it's true. Cause it's like what you said, we can look in a mirror and we see something, but a lot of times when someone sees themselves on video or in a photograph, it looks different than what they see in the mirror, but that's, that's the real them, you know? Yeah, exactly. The way they exactly. Are. That's exactly true. What have you seen, um, winding down here, what have you seen that men have done to build their brand of brothers that have been successful? We talked about some of the ways they've kind of started it, but what have you seen as some things that have made those bands of brothers successful for the long term? What what makes them successful is that they know that they get to know each other, that they take it deeper than just the surface level. Uh, they read books, they talk, they watch videos, they they go on, go to a cabin for a weekend, you know, when they can make it happen and talk things yeah. through. Um, you're, you're shooting for that free fire zone that anything that can needs to be said will be said. But beyond that, uh, they gotta, it's gotta be a lot of fun. There's no reason for it not to be a lot of fun. It also needs to be taken to the wives and the children. I want my children to know that I'm in a band of brothers who know my life watching out for me that they can call. I've literally given the names of people to my children. My children are in their thirties. Um, but here's who to call. You can't find me. I'm misbehaving in some way. I can't imagine what they'd be thinking, but whatever. Same with my, here's, here's that band of brothers. And they've known that for years. Um, And the reason is not to brag and say, Hey, I got a band of brothers. Aren't I awesome? The reason is to say, uh, these men have got my life. Now, part of the reason I do that is I want my son to have the same thing. I want my daughter to have her her version of it. Um, But I also want, uh, and I wish I'd done it earlier in my life. I didn't really do this until after my kids were out of the home. Um, but if I, if I had been, uh, more aware of the themes I teach now, back when I was younger and my kids were, you know, 10, my daughter, they're, 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 anyway, 10, 12, 13 is about their age back when I'm, when I was, uh, in my twenties, I'm sorry, thirties. Um, then I would have, I would have brought them together with my band of brothers, made sure they had firsthand experience with them. Mm, um, we would have had a, we would have had a fest with the wives and eaten and talked and everybody would have known each other. And, um, you know, we do that in other places. We have company picnics and all that kind of thing. But why don't we have, why, why, why don't, why does a man, man's band of brothers really know each other? Yeah. And uh, I think that, I think that, that all that would have made a huge difference. But the main thing, the main issue for men is that they break out of the glass isolation that they have themselves mm-hmm. in and begin to engage other men in a meaningful level. And it can, like I say, it can start indirectly. It can start with a jog, it can start with a hamburger. Yeah. But eventually you're having conversations at deeper levels. And then you get to that, that wonderful free fire zone, which allows you to help each other. Yeah. Well, to me, it, it just seems like there has to be some intentionality behind it, that you're not just getting together to get together. You actually want to help each other and grow and do things like that. Yes. Create and find guys who feel the same way. I think that's a key is finding those men who want that. Well, and you're going to find men who don't want it. And that's fine. Let them be friendly with them. Let them go yeah. on. But if you're, if you're asking around the gym, you're asking around the company, you're asking around the church, you're getting to know guys that seem like candidates, you know, I mean, you're not, it's not like you're trying to kidnap them here. You're just trying to win them to some discussion um, and, and take a little bit further. And so it can be as simple as, hey, you want to go fishing? And then while you're fishing, it's like, what's your dad ever teach you about manhood? I've been reading a book about manhood. It's really on my mind. 
Yeah. If he looks at you and goes, what the heck are you talking about? He may not be your guy. If he looks at you and says, you know, I've been thinking about the same things. Well, yeah, now you good. may be able to take a next step. Well, hey, how about we read a book together? Or how about we at least fish once every two weeks and talk mm-hmm. these things out? Mm-hmm. I could use a little coaching. You might have some wisdom for me. It can be that informal, but because guys get nervous about it, they go, oh my God, how do I do this? And um, it really can be informal, but it, but every man has got to have a band of brothers. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, last question, how important is it for the next generation for us to model that and then encourage them in it? What have you seen in some ways to kind of help that next generation of our children have this attitude? You know, it's essential for the next generation. And part of the next generation's criticism of guys my age, your age, is that we walk too much alone. You know, that generation understands community. Um, it used to be that I would tease my daughter. I'd ask her a question and she would she would quickly text her friends to find out what the answer was. You know, <laughs> I don't mean a factual question. I mean, like, like almost humorously, I could say, how do you feel, honey? Let, hang on, I'll find out. And yeah, she'd, yeah. she'd text nine or 10 of her friends. But the good news is they think corporately. They think that's as a good. group, they, that's true. and, and they, you know, that's, they're the guys who are feeding the Starbucks hangout restaurant. They're the guys who are feeding the social media. So it's, it's essential. We pass it on to them. I, I believe strongly in initiating the boys and there's an African proverb. Maybe you've heard it or read it at one of my books. Um, it, it basically says we must initiate the boys. If we do not initiate the boys, they will burn the village down just to feel its warmth. And that's what's going on in ISIS. That's what's going on in street gangs. That's Mm -hmm. what's going on with these lone shooters who have nobody in their life and they kill people. Um, We've got to kid boys in the early teens, teach them the lore of manhood, which includes the art of the band of brothers, the art of building friends and, um, and teach them how to have, they have, I think it's one of the ways we're going to reach the next generation. They have a wonderful gift for community, but often they don't, they don't know what that's meant to be. You know, it's a, it's, it's a series of beers and empty talk at a bar. We can teach them to do something more significant if we'll if we'll engage them. But they've been right that our generation has been a bit vacuous, and that's why they've turned to each other. So it's absolutely essential we teach that generation because they're going to need it. They're going to yeah. need it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for being with us on the Confident Man podcast. How can guys find out more about you? I appreciate you asking. My personal website is stephenmansfield.tv. Stephen spelled the only way that ought to be legal with a PH. And then uh, our our manhood stuff is all great man. So greatman.tv uh, is the website. There's great man podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you go on greatman.tv, you'll find out about my books and the other things that we, other resources we have for guys. Yeah, it's a great podcast. I do recommend it to everybody. Um, great. So Thank appreciate you. you being with us, Stephen. All right, buddy. Good to be with you. Thanks so much. Such a great interview, and I so appreciate Stephen taking the time to be with us. He's an extremely busy man, but he has such a heart for other men that he agreed to come on the podcast today. Now, don't forget, his book is Men on Fire. It can be found at all the usual outlets. And his site where you can learn more about him is greatman.tv or stephenmansfield.tv. So what we're going to do is over the next three episodes, we're going to dive deeper into some of these topics. Next week, we're going to be dealing with loneliness among men. And what we're going to do is talk about how a lonely man is a dangerous man. So tune in next week for that. Thanks for listening, guys. And please take the time to share this podcast with more men so we can help them be more confident. been listening to the confident man podcast click subscribe so you don't miss a future episode 
you can connect with David on Facebook and Instagram at David DeMaxwell. Find resources to help you as a man at theconfidentman.me. That's theconfidentman.me.